day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. I want to talk a little bit today about um, invitation. And uh, it was about 14 years ago, this October, that I actually um, invited Kristen to marry me. And um, do you want me to tell you the story of our... Um... Okay. I've kind of written it out in a, in a kind of a diaried format. And um, so let me just read this to you before we, before we open the word. Cause, and... Um, I'm sure you young blokes can learn some wisdom from my mistakes. So back in 1999, I invited Kristen to marry me. Was she the one? I was pretty confident, but um, it was also, you know, the the year 2000 was coming around, so the millennium bug might have saved me if she was the wrong one. But, uh, but you know, I was, she was great, and I loved her, and I was pretty confident that she was the one. And... Um, Anyway, so one night in October of 1999, I picked her up from work and uh, I said I'd pick her up and take her to her waxing appointment. And um, this is her... Uh, you know, I was from an Italian family, so I was very used to facial hair. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, I had gone ahead. I had gone ahead and uh, cancelled her appointment. I'd cancelled her appointment. So anyway, that day, uh, we lived in a little town called Esperance in WA, and um, I had um, headed out into the sand dunes. Esperance is surrounded by massive sand dunes. Anyway, I headed out into the sand dunes and picked a nice, uh, quiet, romantic spot, and, uh, which I thought was romantic at the time. Now I realise it was just a big pile of sand. And um, Anyway, so I um, set up a table, a little table out there, and a bottle of Maison, non-alcoholic, classy wine, and uh, classy champers, and a little stereo system. And, um, and I, in the stereo, I put a CD with the theme song of the first movie that we'd ever... It was our first date, and our first date we went and watched a movie, so I put the theme song. And uh, looking back, as I was writing this, bizarrely, the, um, the first movie that we went and saw together was called Armageddon. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether I didn't see the warning bells there. or, but um, So anyway, the song was Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. And um, it was beautiful. Anyway, I was a panel beater at the time. So um, if I picked her up in a suit, it would have been odd. So I, um, so I, put on, I, bor- I didn't have a suit. Um, I borrowed my mate's suit, which was a green suit for some reason. Why people buy green suits? Um, that was the only one I could get. Anyway, so I put this green suit on and I put my overalls on over the top. Anyway, so I picked her up and proceeded towards the site of our proposal. And uh, along the way, Kristen uh, complained and that I was making her late for her waxing appointment. So, um, you know, so I said, look, you can barely tell there's a moustache there at all. That's, you know. and, um, so, anyway. So, I, I don't know if you've uh, spent much time with Kristen, but a word I would use to describe her would be driven 
you know, if, if, and um, so, you know, she continued on her, um, her mission to try to get to this waxing appointment. And it was at this point, you know, that I was beginning to reconsider my proposal. And um, my mind flashed back to the Armageddon movie that we'd, that we'd gone and seen. Anyway, I snapped out of my uh, exit planning and continued on our mission to wed. And uh, so it was just on dusk when we got to the spot and um, Kristen's unwaxed eyebrows and moustache were glistening in the um, sunset. <laughs> and uh, I asked her to wait in the car and I, I slipped out, ripped off my overalls and went around and pressed play on the stereo and walked over to calmly open Kristen's door. I walked her around the small dune to my little table and chairs with the bubbly poured out about to invite this beautiful girl to be my wife, all to the sounds of Armageddon's soundtrack. And she said yes. And the battle, I mean the romance, (laughs) entered a new phase. So for Kristen and I, from go to dating to engage and then to married, there needed to be an invitation. And um, God is always inviting us into a new measure of our relationship with him. He's always inviting you. And that's what I want to talk to you today is, what, you know, what is God inviting you into? Where is he inviting you to go in your relationship now? He invites us to, to go through the doors of salvation with him. He invites us to grow with him through life and through his word and through his spirit. And then he invites us to go with him and influence others and invite others into, into, into things of life. So let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 55. Let's read verse 1. New King James says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. See, all are welcome to the blessings and the invitation of salvation. Every person is welcome. He's inviting all of us, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you own, no matter how much you earn, you have been invited to the king's table to partake and to eat without, without purchasing, without price. And as we begin our relationship with him and we seek his glory, we walk in his grace and favour. We are actually marked men and women. Do you know you are marked with his grace and favour? You cannot shed it. Once you've experienced a, a, a time with Jesus Christ, you are marked for the rest of your life and you cannot escape it. You can't escape it. Moses says in Exodus 33, How will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. We are separate. Once you've experienced Christ, he is with you. He resides in you and you cannot escape it. You cannot hide it. You become the light of the world. You become the city on a hill. You cannot escape it. So you can even try to... You notice how when... When Christians go astray, when the kids of Christians go astray, they tend to try to be even worse than everyone else because they're, they're trying to, be, to become accepted into a place. But they've been marked with the mark of Jesus Christ. And you cannot escape the favour and the blessing of Christ. So no matter where you run, no matter where you hide, no matter how bad your attitude is, you have been marked with grace and with favour. And he is waiting. He is waiting for you to come back to him. 
He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So he's invited you to come and eat at his table. He said, come to the waters. It doesn't matter if you don't have money. It doesn't matter if you don't have credibility. Come, I invite you, receive my salvation, my grace, my favor, without money, without credibility. In fact, that's the only way you can come. You can't come with money. Money doesn't enter you into the kingdom of God. The prophet says, without money and without price. What does he say without money and without price? He says, because if you have no money, you can come. So without money, you're welcome. And without price, if you have heaps of money, it's not going to get you in the door. It's a whole other thing that needs to get you in the door. All you can do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you're in. You're eating with him and you are a marked man. You are a marked woman. You are a child of God and you cannot escape his favor and his grace because it is heading in your direction. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. I don't know if you've seen the movie Wall Street. I don't necessarily recommend it, but I've seen it. And um, In that movie, there's a, the young stockbroker's name is Jacob and he asks this rich... Um, wealthy tycoon by the name of Breton James and he says what is your number he says to Breton James and 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 he says what I've come to know is that every person has a number and when they get to that number they walk away and Breton James this business tycoon from Wall Street in New York City thinks about it and he looks over to him and he says the number is more more See, nothing can satisfy your cravings on this planet for more than a moment. Nothing on earth can satisfy the cravings of your heart for more than a moment. So the answer to when will will we be happy with the things of earth, the answer is when we have more. When we have more. And when you get that, when you have more again. See, there's, there's always more to be had. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. He led the people of Israel into the wilderness so that they would be humble and learn to hunger after him and his provision and his goodness. And Jesus, after 40 days in the the wilderness, not eating or drinking, quotes God's word that he spoke to the Israelites in the wilderness. And he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. See, Isaiah 55 says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and your soul delight itself in abundance. Listen to me. This is the sustenance. He wants us to listen to him and when we listen to his word, when we listen to his truth, then our soul delights in his abundance. Jesus says, I have come to testify to the truth. He said, abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And in Isaiah, it's prophesied, if we listen to him, we will enjoy real wealth. We will know what it means to walk in his abundance. It takes humility to access the favor of God. He wants, he even says in the New Testament, he says, humble yourselves. He is well able to humble us. 
He doesn't want to humble us, but he is well able. And he wants you to walk in his favor and blessing. Sometimes he allows you to be humbled if you don't humble yourself because he so desperately wants you to walk in his promises. He wants you to understand his favor and his grace. So he allows us to be humbled sometimes and he invites us. His spirit leads us into wildernesses where we get to learn the things of humility, where we get to learn to hunger and thirst after his ways and his righteousness. And it's in the testing that we begin to learn. We begin to understand his truth. If you look at anyone in the Bible, if you look at the Israelites, if you look at Joseph, if you look at Daniel and David and Solomon all, and Samson, all these people walked through a wilderness, they walked through challenges where they had to embrace his truth, where they had to learn his wisdom and his ways so that they could walk in the favour. You know, Joseph walked through 20 years of challenge and slavery and imprisonment before he got to, to be God's man of the moment in Egypt in the palace of Pharaoh. You know, there's story after story. Even Jesus says in Hebrews, it says, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. See, the challenge in suffering is not to endure the suffering. The challenge in suffering is saying, Lord, what are you teaching me right now? Sometimes we ask the Lord to, to relieve us from our suffering and he's saying, I'm enlarging you in your suffering so that your suffering will be beneath your feet. He's enlarging you in your distress, it says in Psalm chapter 4. You know, we have a um, health retreat out in the hinterland and, uh, which you can go for treatments and education on healthy living. And I was, I was talking to to um, one of them out there recently and they said the sad statistic is that the majority of people who access their services are already in the midst of sickness or disease. See, the challenge for us is to step into a place of humility and receive. See, he's invited us to listen to him. He's invited us to hear his ways and to understand his truth. And when we choose to step into that place, we grow. He doesn't want us to walk into sickness. He doesn't want us to walk into, into a wilderness. But he allows these things to happen so that we can access his wisdom. If you talk to someone like Gary Martin out at the health retreat in, in the hinterland there, he would recommend that you would go to learn before you need to go. He would recommend that you would go and, go and learn healthy ways and learn how to look after your life before you desperately need to. And God is the same in your life. He, God is inviting you. He's inviting you to sit at his table. He's inviting you to, to listen to him. He's saying, come, listen to me, and you will understand what it means to, to, to know abundance. Your soul will delight in abundance, it says in Isaiah 55. See, God led their children of Israel into the wilderness so that they would become humble enough to learn his ways. And he has called us to humble ourselves so that we can enjoy the life that he has given to us. He has everything for us to enjoy and he wants us to learn so that we can use everything that he has for us to enjoy. Let's look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. Incline your ear. 
and come to me. See, the key to our freedom in life is about listening and it's about following. Every time God speaks, there's always an invitation involved. Every time you receive a prophetic word, you read the word of God, you look at creation, every time the Lord speaks, there's always an invitation to a new measure of your relationship with him. He wants to take you to a new depth of relationship with him. And as you go deeper into your relationship with him, there's more of an abundance that you begin to appreciate here on earth. He wants you. He wants your soul, you know, your mind, your will and your emotion. He wants your soul to delight in the abundance of heaven because this is what he's called you to live in. And it requires us to humble ourselves to step into that place. And if you're in a place that's humbling you, your cry is, Lord, teach me. Teach me what you need to teach me. Enlarge me in this space, Lord, that I may, my soul may delight in the abundance of heaven. See, if you've, if you've, um, if you've been to cross-training over in the, in, on Sunday nights with um, one of our elders, Matt Leake, you'll understand that there's three ways. You'll learn that there's three ways that we hear from God. We hear about his nature and character and his history through the word of God. We see his glory through creation. And we see guidance and comfort through his Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to you constantly. He's speaking to you through his word. He's speaking to you through his creation. And he's speaking to you through his spirit. And he's inviting you. The question for you is, where is he inviting you? There's always an invitation. So he goes on. And he says, what does he say? He says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you by the sure mercies of David. See, he wants us to understand that the relationship that we have with Jesus, we need to understand it like we understand the covenant that he made with David. There's, if you've, you've, you've probably heard people speak about the Davidic covenant. Let me just tell you what it is. It's, the Davidic covenant is when God made a promise to David that there would be a Messiah, that's Jesus Christ, come out of his bloodline, come out of the people of the tribe of Judah. This is the Davidic covenant. And you know, it was unconditional. God said, the Messiah will come out of you and there's nothing that you can do. There's no mistake you can make. There is no obedient act that you can do that will make this happen. It is happening unconditionally. And he's saying that he has created a covenant with us through Jesus Christ. And there is nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to be rejected by it. All you need to do is accept it. Nothing that you have done, nothing that you can do, nothing that you don't own or that you do own can keep you in or get you out of it. All you can do is confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And when you know these, when you come at it from this perspective, you receive this everlasting covenant. God doesn't place any conditions on your salvation other than accepting it. It rests solely on God's faithfulness. And it doesn't depend at all. It didn't depend at all on David's life. It didn't depend at all on Israel's state. You know, he made that promise and all these horrific things happened through the nation of Israel. And David did some terrible things. Yet God was faithful to his promise. And he wants to be faithful to his promise to you. He said, I have made an everlasting covenant with you. And nothing that you can do can get you in or keep you out. He's saying, I've called you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And it's all yours. 
all his mercies, all of his power, his grace, his hope, his truth are part of our covenant with him. They're purchased by him. They're promised in him and they're by his hand they're given to us. This is what he's done. They're purchased by him. He purchased our salvation by dying on the cross and raising again on the third day. He purchased it. There's nothing else. The deal has been done. When he, got, when he was on the cross before he's about to die, he said, it is finished because it is finished and there's nothing that you can do. And he wants you to receive that today afresh. He wants you to receive today afresh the fact that he has an everlasting covenant with you. And he wants you to walk in that authority. He wants you to walk in the authority of Jesus Christ, not in the authority of what you have done, where you have been. He's saying, gain your confidence and gain your authority from the fact that you have an everlasting covenant with the King of all kings. Verse 4 says this, Indeed, I have given him, that's Jesus, as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. See, the people didn't know how to access salvation. They didn't even know salvation existed. Christ has been given to lead us into a place of salvation. He's been given to us as a leader, as a commander, to show us what we're to do and enable us to do it. And our business is to simply follow him. There is no coming to the Father except through Jesus. He wants you to know that. He wants you to know that he sent his son to invite you and to release you. Do you notice how whenever, whenever someone does something into the church, we always release them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we send them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit because everything that we do in life, we need to do in his name. And all authority has been given to him. It hasn't been given to us, so we need to operate under his authority because he resides in us. So we say, in Jesus' name, all things are possible. In Jesus' name, I'm going to marry this person. In Jesus' name, we're going to raise these children. In Jesus' name, we're going to start this business to provide for our families and for the things of God. In Jesus' name, we go. In Jesus' name, we stay. In Jesus' name, we encourage. In Jesus' name, we rebuke. In Jesus' name, we do life. Because there is no coming to the Father except through him. Verse 5, surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. See, you are marked. You are marked with favour and grace. You are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. See, when you understand that you're marked then you can put things in perspective. I know, you know, when Peter and John were um, arrested by the, by the um, Sanhedrin and they spoke to the leaders in Acts 4, they spoke with a boldness and a confidence about the things of Christ. They spoke, they spoke and they shocked the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin thought this in, in ver- Acts 4 verse 13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. People know that you've been with Jesus. People know that you worship. People know that you pray. People-